Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. Do continue to pray for our young people. They had a special weekend in the first service. This whole sex, half this section was just full of young people. And uh, it was great seeing them and having a great weekend. So pray for that team. Last Sunday was very special here. Uh, we had several guests with us uh, who are part of the church planning networking that we do, uh, that we do through them uh, in a lot of the Middle East areas. I've got a good friend here today, uh, Wesley and his wife from Brazil. Uh, we serve on a board together and uh, we, we've had some great meetings this week, but we also had some uh, saddened hearts that... Uh, Four of our church planners that you have helped sponsor uh, in a Middle East country were attacked for sharing the gospel, and two of them died from that attack. And uh, so we want to pray for the two that remain, uh, but we also want to pray for the family of the two that uh, were martyred for their faith. And, you know, we, we don't think about that kind of stuff in our country, but it's a very real thing. And so these are two individuals who, if you go and read in the book of Revelation, they, they have a special place in heaven for when they are martyred for the faith. And, and we, we are celebrating with them, but we also have our hearts broken. And then for the family members that are left behind, and we want to remember to pray for them. Um, so when you talk to God about it, he'll know exactly who you're talking about. And so we're not going to be sharing any names or anything, um, or even the country that they were in. But uh, so, but you'll you pray for that family. God will know exactly who you're talking about. So we want to remember that. Um, and when it comes to talking to God, one of the most basic claims that we make as Christians is that God speaks to His people. And all through the Bible, you see phrases like. And God said, God wants to have a relationship with us. He wants, he's chosen to speak to us. The problem is the communication is often misunderstood. It's kind of like, you know, my wife, when she speaks to me, a lot of times I don't hear it. I misunderstand it. Oh, you wanted me to do that now. Uh, or I just don't listen. And that's one she claims. But, um, and I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only husband in the room that's had that problem, right? And uh, men, men, listen to me. There are two things you need to understand about women. Unfortunately, nobody knows what they are. <laughs> so I've been, I've been married to my wife my entire adult life. And... And we love each other, and we know each other, and we're, we're committed to each other. And still, we can not always communicate clearly. How much more would that be with the holy God? Because you don't see him, you don't hear an audible voice, but he wants to speak to us. And there's a difficulty in that. And that's what I hope to unpackage today, because the difficult part actually lies with us. Jesus shares a parable in Luke chapter 8, 
And so I just want to read the whole passage. Then we're going to break down four sections of that passage. So let's follow along in Luke chapter 8. One day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. So they were coming in from everywhere. Jesus said, a farmer went out to plant his seed. As he scattered it across the field, some of it fell on the footpath. And every farmer, every farm has a footpath and they're, they're usually hard compacted because people walk on it and then they're usually narrow. And so some of the seed just, he didn't intentionally plant it there, but some of the seed fell there. And uh, he said, so, and, and where it was stepped on and the seed was stepped on and then the birds would quickly eat the seeds. Verse six, other seed fell among rocks and it began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for the lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Still other, the fourth kind, fell on fertile soil. The, the seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as it had been planted. Now when he said this, he called out, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So there's a key statement right there, ears to hear. We have to prepare our ears and want to hear. And so the disciples, now these disciples, I can just see them now. Jesus is preaching in front of all these people and they're amen, men in him. Says, That's right, preach it, Jesus. You got that right. Oh yeah, that was a good one. And then when they go off to the side, Jesus, they would go to Jesus and say, now tell us what you meant. I mean, they would, you know, they, they did that a lot. You know, they would come inside, hey, that was a great sermon. We don't have a clue what you meant by that. And so what did you mean by that? <clears throat> so his disciples asked him what his, this parable meant. And he replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God. But I use parables to teach the others so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they look, they, they won't really see. When they hear, they won't understand. Now, at first glance at that, that seems like that's pretty harsh. Why wouldn't God want us to know his word? Why wouldn't God want us to understand? And, and basically, what, the way I interpret this is, I think Jesus is talking about the condition of the person that they really don't want to hear. In fact, the whole parable is talking about us being prepared to hear and whether we're prepared or not. So let's look at what he said. He said, the meaning of the parable is this. The seed is God's word. And God, God is the farmer. The seed is God's word. And the soil are basically is our heart or our mind. He said, the seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from being uh, believing or being saved. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, they go off to a camp, 
You know, we got our young people are on a camp, you know, even though it's local, they're on a camp together. Some of them are going to get excited about what they hear, but then tomorrow they go back to school and they easily, quickly get back into their old things. He said, they, they, don't have, they don't have deep roots. They believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the cares, three things, the cares, the riches, and pleasures of life. And so they never grow into maturity. And then the last one, and the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, and then they do something about it. They cling to it. They grab hold of it. And they, and patiently, they produce a huge harvest. So now let's break this down and see what God is going to teach us today. Jesus basically says in Luke 8, he says, let me explain to you about this whole thing of mental attitude. This whole thing about preparing your mind. And there are four kinds of attitudes that will depend on whether you hear God or not when he speaks. So this is important. Obviously, you can tune into God and he can direct you and he can save you a lot of time from making bad decisions. He can comfort you when you need to be comforted. He can guide you when you need guidance. I mean, God desires for this kind of relationship with you. But some of you, it's kind of like your cell phones when you hit a dead spot. You know, you're jabbering away with a friend and all of a sudden the phone just goes blank. You just hit a dead zone. And some of you, that kind of describes your Christian life. You feel like you're doing well, you're listening to God through his word or through a message or through a Bible study, and then all of a sudden you get distracted and you're not hearing anything. So how do I hear God speak to me? Because we know he wants to. So how do I hear him speak? Number one, I cultivate an open mind. I've got to want to hear from God. I need to be eager about it. I need to be receptive to it. I've got to be ready and willing to hear God speak. Now, some of you today, there may be some of you here today that you're not believers yet. You're just checking out Jesus. You're just checking out this whole church thing. You're trying to figure out, is this for me? And and we love for you being here. And we want you to hear truth. We want you to hear what God has to say. And and so you're, you're coming here. And all we ask you to do is that you have an open mind to what God wants to say to you. Now, other, others of you are fairly new believers, and, um, and some of you, you've been believers for a long time. When I talk about God speaking to you, I'm not talking about an audible voice, but rather, I'm talking about an impression he puts in your mind when you read a scripture verse, an impression he puts in your mind as you're talking to him an impression that he puts in your mind when you hear preaching or hear a Bible study. As you're spending time with him, 
He puts impressions in your, in your mind and in your heart. But one of the reasons why I think some of you've never heard that or felt those impressions, you're not even open to it. And there are a couple of reasons why you might not be open to it. And, and this first soil represents that. Verse five again. A farmer went out to plant seed. He scattered it across the field. Some fell on a footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. And then Jesus interprets that in verse 12. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. So there, there's some of you, you've heard the gospel, you've heard about Jesus, you, you can tell somebody who he is because you've heard it, but you've not opened up your mind and your heart to accept it. And so you're resistant to that. And you've hardened your heart to the gospel. You've chosen to not be open. And because of that, you don't hear God speak. The truth is many times God wants to speak to us, but we don't give him a chance. We don't give him the opportunity because we're unwilling to listen. We've already decided what we're going to do. I'm not gonna pray about it. I've already decided how I'm gonna handle this. So what causes a, a closed mind? A couple of things. One is pride. I don't need God. I don't need to hear from God. I know what's best for me. I know what I need to do. I know about this dating life. I know about this marriage, whether I ought to marry this person or not. I know how to handle the problems in my marriage. I know how to handle issues at work. I know all that stuff. And, and so that's nothing but pride. But here's the deal. Anytime you fail to pray about something, you're basically saying to God, I don't need you. And that's even to us Christians. When I fail to pray about something, I've just said to God, I don't need you. I know what's best. I've got this. I'm not sure that's what I really want to communicate to holy God, that I don't need you. Another reason I have a closed mind is fear. Maybe I'm just afraid of what God might say. I'm afraid that God might tell me to do something that I don't want to do. I'm afraid I might be asked to go somewhere I don't want to go. I may be, I'm afraid about what he requires of me and I, I don't want to do that. There's a third reason for a closed mind and it's called bitterness. Bitterness is whenever you've been hurt and all of us have been hurt, but you hold on to those hurtful memories. You just cannot, will not, let go of them. And after a while, that closes your mind to God because you're so focused on your hurt. And here's the deal. God knows your hurt. And he hurts with you. When you weep, he weeps with you. He knows your pain. And he wants to get involved in your life and help you through that. <clears throat> but sometimes we're a little too comfortable with our hurt and we want to hang on to it. <clears throat> we like 
rehearsing our hurt. We like talking about it over and over again. I had somebody come see me. They were talking about a painful thing in their life that they were struggling with. And they went on and on and on about it. And I got the impression it was something that happened like in the last week or so. And then I finally said, now tell me the time frame of this. When did this happen? Oh, this happened about 20 years ago. I said, really? And for 20 years, you've been hanging on to this bitterness? Yeah, I just can't get over it. For 20 years, they've been living with that bitterness. So for 20 years, they've not been listening to God. They've refused to allow God to help them with their bitterness. And if you've been deeply hurt, God hurts with you. And I want to say to you, when you're in pain, don't run from God. Run to God. I think sometimes Christians think that God has made a promise to us that we'll never have pain. He never promised that. What he's promised is, I will get you through your pain. Our our four brothers that were attacked for sharing the gospel, God never promised them that they wouldn't be attacked. In fact, he promised the opposite. He says so in scriptures. Some of you, it's going to cost you your life to share the gospel. And so when those other two brothers, when they died from their wounds, God was there with them. God comforted them. And I believe Jesus himself was comforting them personally and took them by the hand and escorted them right into heaven into God's presence. That's what God promised. I'll get you through your pain. I'll get you on the other side of it. I'll bring healing. And now the Bible says God's closest to those who are brokenhearted. And so God's promised, I'm going to be with your widows. I'm going to be with your children. I'm, I become the father to the fatherless. I have special affection for the widows. That's what God has promised. The tragedy about the hard beaten path is that it's barren. Nothing can grow there. If pride or fear or bitterness has overcome your life, then your life sadly is barren because nothing can grow in your life. The second thing, Not only do you have to open up yourself to want to hear God, you need to set aside time to listen. I've got to make time to hear God. I've got to slow down. I've got to be quiet. I've got to put it in my schedule. I mean, you schedule everything. You schedule vacations, dentist appointments, dates, homework, everything else. 
work schedule, you put it all in there. But we fail to schedule the most important appointment that we need to have, and that's our time with Holy God. We fail to schedule it, and then it fails to happen. In fact, how often do you give God your leftovers? And reality is, life is so busy now, we don't usually have much left over to even give. You know, in America, the reason why a lot of us don't hear the voice of God is we're in such a hurry. We're always thinking about the next place we have to go. We live a hurried lifestyle, and God gets shortchanged. So if you want to hear God speak, you cannot say, God, I'm in a hurry, so make it quick. It does not work. Verse 6, this is the kind of soil that is. The second seed fell among rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died from the lack of moisture. And Jesus explains that in verse 13. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But because they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. They're drawn back to their hurried lifestyle. See, temptation is not just sins that you commit. Temptation to stay busy, too busy to have time for God. That's a temptation. Too busy running your own life that you don't want to listen to what God has to say about your life. The shallow soul represents really a superficial mind. Because it's shallow. And when he's talking about the rocky soil, he's not talking about soil with a bunch of rocks in it. He said this represents a superficial type of hearer. But as soon as the heat's on, they fade away. <clears throat> you know, some of you, you, you go to a Bible conference or you, you get into a Bible study you take great notes, and it's so exciting. You learn so much, and you take all those carefully written hand notes, and then you take it home, and you stick it on a shelf. And then you forget everything that you learned. You have to keep reliving, relearning when you don't retain. Let me put it this way. Say you've been a Christian for 25 years. And this is going to sound harsh. Some of you, you've been a Christian for 20 plus years, but you've only had really one year of experience as a believer. Now, here's what I mean by that. You have to keep relearning that first year of being a Christian. And you don't go on to other things. So yeah, you've been a Christian for 25 years, but it's really just one year repeated every year. The Bible talks about that. He says we're babes in Christ. We're, we're like little babes in our, in our cribs and we just want the milk and we can't handle solid food. And Paul said one time, Man, you're still a baby as a Christian. You ought to be a teacher by now. 
You've been a Christian long enough. You ought to be discipling other people. But instead, we're having to still change your diapers all the time. So even though you're a Christian for 25 years, maybe you only have one year's experience as a believer. That's the kind of soil that rocky soil is. Number three, you've got to get rid of the distractions if you want to hear God's voice. A lot of times we miss hearing God's voice because our mind is too crowded with our thoughts, our concerns for daily living, our goals, our plans, our ambitions, the bills we have to play, uh, pay, the different kinds of things that we have on our plate. Our mind is full and is always thinking. Some of you, that's why you don't sleep well at night because you can't shut your brain off. You cannot let go of things. I find that when I, I, I usually don't have any problem sleeping. It's because I always pray before I go to sleep. And I turn things over to the Lord. I give it to him and I can sleep because I know he's got my back and my front and my sides. I'm able to rest and sleep because I know who's in charge. And I don't carry that junk to bed. And I can sleep soundly. I've got to get rid of distractions. Verse 7. Other seed fell among thorns and grew up that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. And Jesus explained this in verse 14. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out. And here's how. Three things. By the cares, the riches, and the pleasures of life. So they never grow into maturity. That's why so many Christians have unproductive lives. And you know, I've talked to people in their 30s, their 40s, even in their 60s, and they'll say things like to me, I'm just, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. They've never taken the time to ask God that question. You know, God had no, has no intention of you blowing and wasting your life. That's why he planned things for your life. And if you would spend as much time with God talking about your life as you do worrying about your life, you would have a lot less to worry about. Every time somebody tells me, I'm just so worried about, and I'm saying, now, how's that working out for you? Has that worry relieved you of anything? No, it's made it worse. See, God's not playing games with us. He takes your life very serious because your life cost him his son. And he doesn't want you to waste it. He has so much for you. And Jesus said, we, we get distractions like weeds. One is worries. They distract you from hearing God speak because you're focused on your worries instead of taking your worries to the Lord. Wealth is a weed in your life. He's not saying it's wrong to have money, but when you're busy about making money and keeping money 
and uh, doing what you want to do with your money, then that wealth becomes a weed in your life. And then another weed is pleasure. Now, is there anything wrong with pleasure? No. Who gave you the ability to have pleasure? God gave that ability to you. God's the one that thought up the, thought up the word fun. I mean, he wanted you to have some fun in your life. And God gave you the, the senses and the abilities and the, uh, the, in order to enjoy pleasure. But then what happens is pleasure becomes our goal. Wealth becomes our goal. Worries even become our goals. And then therefore what happens is we push God right out. We're more focused on our recreation than we are on our worship. And we, we push God right out. I, I'm going to ask you a very theological question. How much effort does it take to grow weeds? None at all. I'm an expert at it. At our old house, you, you know... Uh, if, you, if we didn't take it, we, if Mary didn't take care of it, <laughs> weeds would just sprout up. And you know the thing about weeds? You don't have to water them. You don't have to prune them. You don't have to treat them. You don't have to do anything. They'll take care of themselves and they'll grow like crazy. They'll grow where you don't want them to grow in all varieties. But things you want to grow you got to take care of it. you got to water it, and you got to fertilize it. you got to do all this stuff and hope that it will survive. But weeds, oh, my goodness, you don't have to do nothing. You know, weeds can come right out of the middle of your concrete driveway. Have you ever seen that? I mean, they'll find a way to grow anywhere. Some of you, your life is full of weeds and God, when he speaks to you, you just cannot hear him. The last thing, cooperate with God. God talks to people. Listen to this. God talks to people who decide in advance that they're going to do whatever he tells them to do. That's what the Bible means when it says that God's eyes are going all over the world checking out people's hearts. And anybody whose heart belongs to him, he strongly supports that person. So when God checks out your heart and he's checking it out all the time and he sees in you an attitude, I want what God wants for my life then God's going to come right up to you and say, okay, you're ready to hear the plan I have for you. You're ready to hear why I made you. You're ready to hear what the purpose of your life is. Because I want to tell you, when, you're, when you try to negotiate with God, say, God, tell me what you want to do, and then I'll get back with you with an answer. You're not going to hear from God. Because that's not how he operates. He's looking at your heart to see when it's ready to hear. And you're committed to his will, period. Now, that's when it gets exciting. And that's when you hear 
God speak. That's when you hear God speak. When I start neglecting my time with God on a daily basis, I stop hearing the voice of God. But when I decide up front, I want what God wants for me, then he talks to me all the time. Most of us want God to talk to us, but we're struggling with that, that fourth soul, I guess the best way to describe it is a willing heart, willing to do whatever God desires of you. Verse eight, still another seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. And then Jesus explains that in verse 15. And the seed that fell on the good soil represents honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it. And that's, that's huge right there. Cling to it and patiently produce a huge harvest. Our four brothers who were attacked... They heard God's word and they cling to it. And they were willing to put their lives on the line for the sake of it. When God speaks to you as you read scripture, as you hear a message in a Bible study, maybe just in the quietness, when God speaks to you, you need to grab it. You need to write it down. This is what God said. And that's why I keep journals. Whenever God speaks to me, I write it down because I'll forget. And, and time and time again, I can go back and say, yep, God told me this, and, and this is what I prayed for, and this is how God answered it. And it's just reminded me how faithful God is. And, and I can just see faithfulness year after year after year, faithfulness of God. So when he speaks, write it down and claim it and believe it. So I want, I want to close with you with a challenge. Um, this was real appropriate in the first service because we had so many young people here. They're the gen, I, I'm from the boomer generation, like a lot of you. And uh, the generation of the day is called Generation Z. Those are people from ages 10 to 25, 10 years old to 25 years old. Listen to, listen to what's happening in their lives. On average, that age group spends nine hours a day in front of one screen or another. Television, video games, smartphones, tablets, nine hours a day. That's, that's amazing. And there's several areas that have, this has shown up, and not one of them is positive. I'm just going to mention a couple of them. There's five key areas that it has had detrimental effect. But let me give you a few. First one is it, it really is hurting our kids. According to a major study, social media damages 
children's mental health by ruining their sleep, by reducing their exercise levels, by exposing them to cyber bullies in their own homes. In fact, they have found that by using sites multiple times a day, it increases the risk of psychological distress by 40%. These are our kids. And, And to make it worse, because of the pandemic, children's screen time doubled. But when the pandemic ended, the screen time didn't go back down. It stayed at that double level. And that does not include the time they're on screens for schoolwork. Another area that has affected Generation Z, but really all generation, is that it's making us angrier. How's that? Well, the pollings have revealed a couple of things. People are more likely to express anger on social media than they would in person. Nearly nine out of 10. And we are angrier today compared to just a generation ago. And according to one Watson Health poll, it says the more we go online to check the news and use our social media, the angrier we become. Because a lot of those news channels are are biased towards a certain viewpoint, and you go to the ones that kind of share your viewpoints, and, and you hear all this negative stuff, and it just makes you mad. In fact, there's a whole industry now to feed off of that anger. And then one last thing. Living life online is fueling a rapid change of culture. Just one example. In 2004, it showed that the majority of Americans were opposed by 60% to same-sex marriage. Today, 61% support it. A complete flip. And they attribute the majority of that to what's happening online. I um, was really challenged by this personally. And two days ago, three days ago, I decided just to take a break from all social media. The hives went away after 24 hours. Um, (laughs) The jitterness, you you get jittery. But, you know, here's what I found very quickly. Just after two days, I found I had more time to do uh, critical thinking. I mean, that's a positive word, not thinking critical of people, just, you know, deep thinking. My mind stopped thinking in sound bites and started thinking in more complete thoughts. I had more time to have meaningful prayer, not hurried prayer. And and so I've decided I'm just going to take a break from social media. I don't know how long. I don't know. 
but I like the way it feels. I'm finding I'm becoming calmer, not getting worked up about something, not feeling I gotta go fix something. So I, I wanna close with a challenge to you. If you really want to hear the voice of God, if you really wanna hear from God, then I, I wanna suggest to you that one of the reasons you may not be hearing from him is you're too busy on social media. And you're too focused on what other people think instead of what holy God thinks. So take a challenge. Try it for a couple of days. Try it for a week. Just stay off of social media for a week. Now I can already tell some of you are squirming right now in your seats about what that would feel like. Now that doesn't mean that two days from now you say, hey everybody, I take, took on a challenge you know, to stay off social media. I'll let you know how it goes tomorrow and give you an update. I mean, you just gotta get off. Even on my iPhone, I took the, uh, you know, the, the buttons for the different ones and put them back in a place where I don't see them. So, because, you know, they're usually on the front of the screen where you see it. Oh, I got to see what everybody's saying. Oh, I, I got to catch up on some people. And I just moved them out of the way where I don't even see them. So it takes away, you got to take away the temptation. I, I want to challenge you. If you really want to hear the voice of God, remove the weeds that keep you from hearing. So I'm going to be here at the front. If you want to come and have me to pray for you in taking on that challenge, I had a whole bunch of people do that in the first service. You know, I'll pray for you. Or if you just want to come and pray up here, you don't have to come forward to make that commitment. But I, I want to encourage you to take that test just a week. Let's pray.